Hi, how's it going, everybody? And welcome to the Debutify podcast, the premier e-commerce podcast brought to you by Debutify. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and today I'll be sitting down with Irina Podobnia, the founder of TrackMage, about some of the problems and solutions that come with tracking shipments. TrackMage is a software tool that allows e-commerce brands to have a 5 to 10% increase in sales by simplifying the customer experience. It allows them to track their products on the platform, upsell the customers, then automatically follow up with them for reviews. So without Without further ado, here is my conversation with Irina now. Irina, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex, for having me here. Absolutely. Thrilled to have you. Why don't you tell us a bit about your company, TrackMage, actually? Yeah, well, TrackMage is this service uh, that helps bridge the gap of communication uh, with the customer after the purchase has been made. So in a nutshell, what it is, is remember how when you order something on Amazon, you get uh, the information about like where the order is, when it is coming to you, when you are receiving this order, you get prompted to leave a review. So so basically, we take all this fancy functionality and make it available on other platforms like Shopify, WooCommerce, uh, ClickFunnels, and uh, other tools that just don't have that functionality. That's what TrackMage is. What it helps with is uh, getting additional sales from existing customers and uh, getting better customer retention, more brand exposure, and uh, all the other uh, positive influences on the operations. Because when you have uh, a very solid uh, visibility of all the shipments, all the orders, and you have an analytics, you can make better decisions and uh, troubleshoot your processes and all the other (laughs) interesting things that you can do with it all. So it's kind of like a one-stop shop. So can you explain to me how you um, boost sales with this product? Yes. So what we noticed is that uh, the customer experience sometimes gets interrupted. That's what I was talking about prior to this uh, conversation. So like, uh, it's uh, this communication gap that happens. So the customer orders something, they get an order confirmation email, and that's it. And for the next, uh, who knows how many days, uh, because depending uh, on the supply chain uh, robustness, it could be from one day to two weeks or three weeks or even two months uh, for the customer to wait for their order to get there. If there is no communication in between, the customers get anxious. Uh, they start writing to customer support and ask uh, the question, like, where is my order? What is commonly known in the industry, like Vismo, where is my order request? Uh, and then there are other things that happen with uh, customers even just going to PayPal or whichever credit card provider they have and just uh, filing a chargeback or a refund. Uh, because we're not sure that the order is getting there. So what we noticed is that this is a great opportunity for the brand to still continue communicating to the customer. So first of all, uh, when the customer sees those uh, emails uh, about uh, their order, they don't treat them as marketing. They open them in 60% of cases, and they see them uh, as transactional. And while uh, they open those emails, they actually read the content, and they are not expecting to be sold anything. But that's what all the other platforms do. For example, on Amazon, when you come back to check the status of your order, you still see additional products you could buy. The problem for the commerce brand is that the products that are shown are not their own. They are just random uh, stuff that uh, Amazon is currently thinking this customer is going to buy. When you have your own uh, store and you have your own tracking page, you can show your own products. And this way, uh, you get uh, additional 5 to 10% uh, to convert even before they receive their first package. And that's exactly what uh, the offer is, because this is the minimum that you can get with the post-purchase experience. 
depending on the robustness of your offers, or if uh, you have some specific promotions that you can put there, uh, the conversion could go up to 15% or even 20 where the customers are going to be prompted to buy something that is just now on sale for this specific price, or it's a hot product that they already bought, or they want to purchase an additional copy for their friends or their family uh, as gifts. So it just depends on uh, the marketing side of the offers that you're presenting. But still, uh, even if you present just your regular products, your main list of products, you will get up to uh, like 5 to 10% extra sales without actually remarketing to those customers. So you don't have to pay for ads to get them back to the store. You don't have to send them marketing emails. You just invite, invite them to check the uh, status of their order, which we we're going to, in any case, and that's when you get them. <laughs> that's when you get those extra sales. Well, and, and it sounds like too, because you're keeping the customer who's engaging with the website in communication consistently throughout the process. The retention is then coming in as well because they're getting an email, you know, once or twice every other day or so, updating them on how the order is progressing in the tracking that they're actually returning to the website more often as well. The thing is, most of the businesses that I've seen, uh, at least most of the businesses that become our customers, they usually just send to the customer the tracking number. And the tracking number goes to the page provided by UPS, FedEx, DHL, or whichever carrier they used. So the problem with that is that all this traffic, those additional uh, visits that the customer pays, they go to UPS. And they go to FedEx. And sometimes uh, it gets even, like in my case, when I shop around, uh, when I get uh, this tracking number and I check it, I don't even remember which store it came from because there is no information about like, okay, this package, what does it contain? Uh, which brand is it coming from? And since there is no branded experience and there is no connection, the customers, we cannot even ask questions. What if the package gets stuck in customs and they need information about the content of the package or an invoice, a commercial invoice? They don't have any means to remember like which package or which company to go to for that information. And that's why it's better to provide the handholding after the purchase. If you provide good customer service, you increase the probability of that customer buying from you again because they had a great experience. So that's all about like customer experience overall, uh, not treating every customer as a one-off transaction, but always focusing on the lifetime value of that customer. And I love the focus on customer experience. And, and that's something that I think translates really well on your website. You know, with this emphasis on customer experience and making TrackMage as user-friendly as possible for your clients, is that something that required a lot of research? How did you go about that? Uh, you mean, how did we discover what needs to be done? Yeah, in, in terms of the customer experience, because I think it is pretty complicated to find all those problems without putting it up a little bit. So did, did yeah. you have to kind of trial and error or were you able to research some of these obstacles before you found them in like a beta. Right. So that's uh, that's the backstory of the business. So basically, uh, before we started TrackMage, we used to run an e-commerce uh, fulfillment center in China uh, for two and a half years. And we used to package the goods, send them to the customers, do all the customer support ourselves. And that's how we discovered all those pitfalls and uh, problems that arise during this uh, process of shipping uh, and uh, the post-purchase or fulfillment part. And that's how we knew already, like TrackMage is maybe like 10% of what we actually wanted to build in the first place. Because I understand that there is a lot more we can offer to the customers and we're still working on it. And right now we're rolling out uh, the version 3.0, 
so this is the third uh, iteration of uh, everything that needs to happen. And we have more robust fulfillment functionality and more robust post-purchase experience, like we change the design all the time just to cater to the needs of a customer. And obviously, we always get uh, customer support requests that are asking for additional features, and we are trying to implement as many as we can. I'm sorry, I was going to ask you, you know, if, if that's how you came up with the idea for the company is by working with this fulfillment center and saying, hey, I think this could be a better way. We were the fulfillment center. Yeah. Uh, don't misunderstand. I used to live <laughs> in China, like, uh, and uh, I still don't speak Chinese, but it was uh, what we did. It was built in the trenches. Basically, when we were uh, working in this fulfillment business and we were dealing with all those case by case customer issues, we always tried to implement the functionality. And after the business went bust, uh, after we ended that company, we were left with a system. And that system became the like the basis of TrackMage uh, that uh, later we were able to offer to other businesses all over the world. Right now, we're focusing mainly on implementing some integrations and uh, making it a seamless experience for the customers to just like one-click install and not think about everything else. Because with uh, e-commerce systems, sometimes the hurdle is to set it up correctly. And not all the e-commerce entrepreneurs, they have a tech-savvy background or uh, they have some developers on call. We're trying to make it as technically <laughs> like as technically easy as possible. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I'm not the most tech savvy guy on the planet, but the easier, the better. I'll tell you that much. So, um, yeah. you know, what's, what's really impressive is, you know, when I was perusing on the website and looking at these carriers that you work with, there's over a thousand of them. And I think the the catalog of carriers that you work with is extremely impressive. So how did you go about building relationships with them? I mean, how does that system kind of work out? Well, I would say that it's not as uh, complicated as uh, it sounds, at least uh, from the development standpoint. Most of the carriers, they have a public APIs and uh, they already provide all this information for the party websites to get it. All it takes is just uh, implementing the integration with their API and get the information. I guess uh, the challenge was to unify all those formats because every carrier, we have their own uh, statuses and uh, we have to map them uh, to our statuses because in TrackMage you have a handful of statuses that are universal for all carriers but on the back end it literally translates like okay this status says out for delivery uh, what does it trans translate to in TrackMage so okay it, it is uh, like delivery in progress okay great so that's how we uh, were able to implement uh, integrations with multiple carriers but still again the maintenance is a pain in the neck because uh, certain carriers Sometimes they change their API or they change their accesses. And like, yeah, that's why the IT guys, they, they handle that. <laughs> that's what I can say. So it seems like it's a very lucrative little business. I'm, I'm curious how your advertising works. Do you guys do a lot of advertising? Yes, we advertise on Google, on Facebook. Uh, now we are hoping to try TikTok ads just because of the TikTok ads are not available in all the locations. It's probably going to be challenging, but we'll see. Well, again, uh, we're working on the content and SEO side uh, as well. So the next year we're going to finally figure it out. Uh, so we've worked uh, hard to build a, a team around this and uh, make sure that we really communicate the right points uh, about the business and what it can do. Awesome. And, you know, I noticed when I was looking at the pricing is that, you know, the membership price, in my opinion, seems really low and, and affordable is a better way to say that um, to your clients. Is shipment tracking like a com competitive space? And is that price by design to be a competitive price? And then my follow-up question is if that is 
your only revenue stream is that membership fee that you bring in. Yeah, well, the thing is, uh, when the e-commerce business is starting uh, and uh, when we don't have enough orders to even pay their bills, we just wanted to make it as accessible as possible for e-commerce businesses to integrate TrackMage. Because TrackMage only starts making sense when you have uh, hundreds and thousands of orders, uh, and that's when you get the return on investment. But uh, in the meantime, you get a lot of operational efficiency tweaks. Uh, If you integrate TrackMage, you can be able to troubleshoot your process before uh, the problem becomes, uh, before the problem is brought to you by your customer. So you can, for example, uh, see when the uh, shipments are being late. And you can contact the carrier before the customer contacts you. And uh, whenever the customer contacts you, you will already be able to tell that, like, okay, okay, we already are solving this problem. And the carrier said that uh, there was a tornado in the airport, and that's why uh, they couldn't deliver the package. So you could be on top of a situation, and that creates a better customer experience. And again, uh, if you are a dropshipping business, and uh, certainly a lot of pe- people, uh, they start their businesses without any budget for inventory, and that's what uh, I would recommend for any anyone who's starting, before you get steady sales, don't buy inventory. Don't buy those 10,000 units that the manufacturer is trying to sell to you. Because otherwise, you will be stuck with those 10,000 units in your garage. And uh, that's it. <laughs> that's, just, that's just the end of your business. It's not the beginning. For dropshippers, uh, it's very important uh, to monitor if the package was actually shipped uh, by your supplier. Uh, Because what tends to happen with uh, the businesses that work with AliExpress or other uh, platforms where you buy the product. So you buy the product on AliExpress, the product gets shipped, you get provided a tracking number, but then the tracking number is not tracking. Like you don't get any updates about the shipment status uh, during that time. And that's a problem uh, because maybe you were provided a wrong tracking number, Uh, Maybe the package was not even shipped or uh, maybe your uh, supplier is just trying to scam you. Sometimes they just don't send anything. They just provide a fake tracking number and that's it. And that's why on AliExpress, you have to file a refund. But when to file a refund? Is it uh, in two weeks when the customer starts knocking at your door and they file a refund with your company? Probably not. It's better to monitor uh, the shipments and see uh, when they were shipped. Just reach out to the supplier and even buy from a different supplier in in parallel. This way you can just bridge that and really solve the problem before it even happens. So this way uh, you will always have the choice uh, to troubleshoot and uh, make sure that you follow up before it becomes a problem on your side. Because it's their problem if you uh, take action. Uh, And it's your problem when the customer takes action on you. You know, one of those ways that you do that on your website is by checking everything. You know, I noticed if someone, say, misspells an email or something, your website lets you automatically autocorrect that or edit it. And it really pays attention to kind of the minutia in those details. Oh, but, but that functionality actually came from the customer. Uh, so we have this uh, celebrity customer uh, from U- their YouTube influencer with uh, 3 million followers, and uh, they are creating an animated uh, cartoon series about metal family. Uh, so like it's literally like a family of metal heads and a, a cartoon that was created by just two animators without any studio, without any funding, without anything. So it's just like the bootstrap project. What uh, they were facing is that their customer base is literally childish, like uh, the, the age, the age, the average age of uh, the viewer is probably not over 18 years old. And they were dealing with a lot of misspelled emails based on their claims, because uh, we couldn't get any information outside of uh, their own. Every third email was misspelled. 
So a referred email from 10,000. That's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, and those customers, they already paid, they were charged, but they didn't receive even the order confirmation email. So they were not at peace uh, after that. And they were trying to reach out to Metal Family uh, through email, through social media, through comments on YouTube. And uh, like it just turned into this uh, craziness uh, where one customer could send five questions on different social medias and they had to deal with uh, like 15,000 emails. At, at because the they're already so popular that they're having to like sift through all of these emails to try to get to one complaint. Yes. And that's when we came in. Uh, because when we posted that uh, video that I'm going to post, like we translated it, uh, now, now it's going to be posted on our channel, which is great. So the thing is, we just uh, localized this problem uh, and we implemented validation script that can be added to any form on any website. So it's not only in the e-commerce checkout, uh, it could be just some kind of opt-in form or some kind of uh, email field on the website where you could use the validation script. Uh, and it's going to troubleshoot if that uh, is if that email actually exists because we ping the email and we see if uh, that email actually exists. Sometimes we know uh, the actual domains of the popular mail services, and that's when we ask, like, "Oh, did you mean not uh, like did you mean gmail.com? Not something what you have there." Uh, and people realize that it's a typo. Uh, and that's when they uh, have to fix it. Because uh, the first time we introduced the script, it literally said, like, please check your email or please provide a valid email. But when the customers were trying to, like, just hit enter uh, three or four times, when we introduced, like, oh, did you, like, did you check your spelling? Is there a spelling mistake? And that uh, reduced four or five attempts to just two. Like, the person sees, like, ah, there is a typo. And then they submit a valid email. And then uh, it's a smooth sale from their own. That's great. I mean, that's saving everyone time and money in the process. You know, what's your, what's your success rate with the whole company been like? Do you have some sort of metrics that back up its usefulness? Well, I guess uh, the most convoluted metric that uh, I would use is uh, how many paid users we have. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's the one. So far, so good. It's just we haven't been focused on marketing that much. Uh, we come from the IT background and uh, just like this doer mentality. So literally, like I'm going after some uh, enterprise customers or enterprise-like customers that have a lot of uh, load. I like YouTubers, like <laughs> for some reason. It's cool. Yeah, I just understand. I, I just understand that business uh, a little bit better. I, I guess uh, it's not about uh, how many customers you have, but how big they are. So we got uh, certain uh, wholesaler companies uh, that are using the service just because uh, it provides this unique functionality that's only catering to wholesalers. Uh, in wholesale business, uh, it's not like uh, in retail where you ship uh, one package for one order. Uh, in wholesale, when one order is getting shipped, there are hundreds of packages in that order, and you still have to keep track of everything. We, ha we have the functionality to display all the packages for the single order on one uh, page, and that's exactly... Uh, what helps them to replace all those uh, email updates, uh, Google spreadsheets or Excel spreadsheets that they were keeping before. With wholesalers, uh, since they're shipping thousands and thousands of packages, uh, it's a very different rate. So if you just like scroll up, <laughs> so not, not the retail business, but wholesale, yeah, the money side is uh, getting a little bit better. Awesome. And you kind of touched on this a little bit, but you know, what are the future plans? What are your plans for TrackMage in terms of growth and scale and, you know, 
two to five years down the road. Well, I hope we're still around by that time. I so think like you will. You got, the, you got the can-do attitude. The first thing that we get asked a lot, where uh, a lot of uh, customers that are asking for the feature is uh, the ability to create their own tracking numbers. Uh, so there are certain logistics companies that uh, ship the products uh, through their own logistic routes, uh, and they just don't use any of the commonly known carriers. And that's why we are going to introduce the My Carrier functionality. The person is going to be able to create that carrier, uh, and they are going to be able to create their own tracking numbers and provide the tracking updates. Uh, the downside of that would be that uh, there could be a potential opportunity for the scammers uh, to use TrackMage to introduce like faulty information about the packages that were never never shipped. And that's why we're very cautious about that. And uh, we still haven't figured out how to legally uh, frame it so that the company is responsible for uh, their own uh, information so that TrackMage doesn't get pulled into the lawsuits or something like that. But again, we get asked uh, a lot to provide that. Uh, and that borderline uh, crosses to mailroom automation where the company is just sending documents from one department to another, and that's a, a lot of uh, hassle for the company to manage that. I just don't know like where we are going to end up with it. And the retail side, we're introducing some additional uh, like marketing flair uh, to tracking pages, uh, where the tracking pages will have the rich media, so you could introduce GIFs, videos, if you want, uh, on the page. Then we are going to make sure that uh, with customers, when they leave a review, uh, the review gets shared on social media. Uh, so if it's if it's a positive review, <laughs> in the, only in that case, we're not going to display that uh, functionality to like, oh, share your review you of one star uh, for this brand. Like, yeah, we're not going to do that. That's some radical transparency. And, and it's interesting that you actually bring up, you know, the movement of documents too, because you actually have some experience in, you know, you've got a lot of experience. It's an impressive resume that includes marketing, IT, sales, exporting, and uh, plenty more. And the thing that kind of jumps out at me is, um, which I'm still learning about, is um, as a scrum master. Yeah. Can you actually explain to maybe some people in the audience what scrum is specifically? Well, scrum is a framework for managing creative processes or unpredictable processes. So if you have, uh, for example, customer support, scrum is not a fit. You have uh, to introduce something that is more reliable. Uh, and that's why e-commerce businesses are so different from any other business, because you have uh, the part that deals with uh, standard quality, that's the shipping, fulfillment, uh, customer support. And then you have the part with marketing. Uh, where you have to iterate and uh, you have to discover the needs and you never know what is going to work, what's not going to work. And so you have uh, unpredictability there. And uh, Scrum is good uh, and it's applicable for marketing departments. And also it's uh, very much applicable for IT departments. Uh, that's where Scrum currently is uh, becoming the mainstream. Uh, most of the companies are currently embracing Agile and uh, they are introducing Scrum in every part of their company, which is sometimes like biting them in the in the bum just because Scrum is not universally applicable to everything. It's just this like uh, whenever you have an predictable result where you need to give people the ability to learn and iterate and uh, get creative, that's when Scrum is applicable. Uh, everything else uh, where you have a hard uh, expectation, for example, that a customer support request needs to be answered within 24 hours, that's a hard metric. And uh, again, uh, the result is always predictable. You have to answer the customer support request regardless of what uh, is in the customer support request. 
So that's when Scrum doesn't and isn't applicable. So how is you know your experience in Scrum, IT, marketing, sales, all this wide experience, has that all kind of like led to TrackMage to, to this moment in your company? How has that experience kind of helped you out? TrackMage, as I run other projects uh, just uh, as well. So I run it from the perspective of a servant leadership. So Scrum is all about servant leadership. It's not about uh, giving people orders and then they just go where and uh, execute. The more you do that, the more of a bottleneck in your own business you're becoming. I usually just give the teams the ability to fail and iterate. So they have to figure it out themselves. Uh, and uh, with that said, I don't get uh, pulled in more meetings than I need to be on. And that's why they, uh, they just sort things out without me. And the more uh, independent they become and like the longer they work together, the easier it gets. And the only thing that uh, I usually do is I set the standards. So I set the standard like the quality needs to be this and not lower. But if somebody is going to go above that quality, that's also encouraged because like, oh, that's a great idea. We should do it better. Every time the teams, uh, they're just there and they have the ability to create whatever they feel is right. And then we have the retrospectives uh, where we discuss like what went well, what didn't go well, what should we do better? And uh, the teams contribute as well. It's this facilitative uh, leadership where I'm not the one telling them what to do. It's them telling me what I need to do. And I'm usually the bottleneck, okay, yes, I need to fill in that form. I need to submit that. I need to, I guess, uh, sign up to that service. That's what I do for the team. But then again, uh, the decision-making is collective. That's a cool, different approach. I feel like I don't really hear that often and and creating a self-regulating system where you set the standard. I love that. I, I think that's really unique. Do you actually find that, you know, having this wide multifaceted experience is more useful or impactful as opposed to focusing only on say like one particular skill set or concentration, you know, like a sales guy does sales and he's really good at that and that's it. But you're kind of all over the place. Do you find that to be more useful? I guess uh, we need to compare me to other CEOs in this case, because again, sales guy, a sales guy is a sales guy, right? Uh, so if, that could be a VP of sales. Uh, even if a CEO has very solid sales experience, uh, they are still going to have to learn about other departments and they will have to nurture their own leaders in the company. Uh, so that uh, they are not the only ones pulling the string and trying to conquer the world with everyone else just uh, sitting around and asking like, oh, what should I do? Irina, what should I do? It's almost like in that uh, one minute manager book uh, about like one manager, uh, one minute manager uh, meets the monkey. Uh, where every uh, employee is going to bring their monkeys to you. And then you are just like swamped with all those problems that you have to solve for those employees. <laughs> and they're just standing around and like, I already asked a question. Like, yeah, please work. Yeah. That's a good anecdote. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. Again, that kind of goes back to creating a self-regulating system. If anything, uh, my goal in business is to obtain freedom. Because uh, when you're working in your business like 24 hours uh, and uh, you don't have any any freedom for your own, that's not the ideal situation. So I'm not uh, into creating lifestyle businesses either, uh, where you like, oh, this is just like some gig that gives me like well, extra hundred bucks uh, every now and then. So it should be robust, but I don't have to be in the picture for that to be robust. I need to hire and fire uh, the right people. 
Uh, so that the company just, it's almost like the bonsai, like I have to just like trim uh, and nurture the tree so that it grows into this beautiful picture. So you more operate on kind of like a bird's eye view than uh, a day-to-day, hand-to-hand, what's what's kind of your approach? Because I know some CEOs are a lot more big picture, talk to like three or four different people, and, and then it kind of falls down the tree while others are very day-to-day? Our company is not that big yet. Uh, So if we had uh, hundreds of people, I wouldn't be able to do that even if I wanted, but we are at 23. So I know everyone personally and uh, I do communicate with them often. Like I don't attend the daily stand-ups. They they do that themselves. I don't get involved in solving particular problems. They do that. I'm just there to resolve any outside blockers or uh, think outside of the box. Even in IT departments, sometimes the engineers, they're just like, okay, we're going to build this machine that's going to do that and this is going to be taking us three weeks i'm saying like wait that edge case is not even an edge case let's not do it altogether and that's how i save the company three weeks of uh, pointless working the decision making and uh, letting people do their best job so that's uh, that's what is left basically give people the tools to succeed and the ability and freedom to learn from mistakes that they might make I, I, yes. I really respect that. With certain thresholds, because like if a person doesn't dedicate themselves to the job enough, or if they start making too many mistakes, and if they uh, commit uh, like the same mistake uh, two or three times, that's a red flag. That's when uh, we make a decision. Because there was this uh, situation where we had a QA person, QA is a quality assurance uh, engineer, uh, who actually tests the system. And the QA person was not able to find the bugs. Uh, when I hired uh, different QAs afterwards, uh, we were able to find uh, 70 plus uh, wow. issues in various parts of the system. Some of those issues, they were very blatant. Something like, okay, I try to register and then I run into a wall where I can no longer uh, even go back or go forward. And that was uh, a real indication to me that this person was not coping with what they were tasked with. And this time uh, I had to replace. But again, uh, it's always this uh, decision that comes from assessing everything that the person does. Uh, In a small company, it's very easy to do that. In a bigger company, it's sometimes very hard to understand if a person is performing or they're just making this uh, impression that they're performing. I totally get that. And before we wrap up, I always end the show. You seem like one specifically that likes your time, that likes to save time and create efficiency. And I know that e-commerce and e-commerce professionals are ones that have long, stressful hours. So I'd like to ask you what you do in your free time outside of e-commerce endeavors to um, retain your sanity and kind of promote a healthy little work-life balance. First thing that I picked up uh, when I just felt that uh, I had to is uh, I started singing again. Like I literally signed up uh, for singing uh, lessons, like with a private tutor and uh, two times per week I'm going and uh, I'm singing. That's amazing. That's That's the end of the list. Like another thing was, uh, I thought that uh, it's going to be really interesting to pick up uh, improv comedy, and I signed up to Uptight, Upright Citizen Brigade. Uh, yeah, that's, very, uh, improv very comedy. famous. Yeah, yes, and uh, I signed up for their online course, and now like every Saturday I have an improv uh, session with uh, the rest of the guys, and like I'm already at level three, like improv three hundred one, which is like awesome. It's crazy awesome, and uh, I would encourage everyone who likes joking around or just. Uh, they are always feeling that they are the funniest person in the room. Just take improv comedy. You're going to become even better. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Irina, my, my girlfriend actually did the same thing throughout the last year or two as she 
did the three stages of improv and absolutely loved it. I loved going to her shows and she'd come home and show me all these new like games that they're doing. And it's, it's really a fun way to kind of get out of your shell. Yeah. I think that's very cool. Anything else on that growing list or or are you going to be a a, a singing singing improv comment? Yeah. 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 As of recently, I uh, pick, picked up pole dancing. <laughs> nice. I bet that's really good for your core. It's insanely complex because every time I uh, come to the uh, to the studio, the trainer, she's amazing. Like, I don't even know if she's human because she's like, da, 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 da. And then like, are you sure you're a human species? Like, how are you? How, how that's why are she's you the one teaching this? the class. <laughs> Yes, yes. But I guess uh, the rest of the class is also great uh, because I talked to, to all the amazing uh, pole dancers very late, like spinning, like with like with one hand, they're just holding their whole body and all that. Like, how long have you been doing this? They said like four years. Like, well, if I stick with it for four years, I think long. I'm yeah. going to be good. Yeah. Yes. I only recently picked it up. So like, it's like one month and I'm already doing some things. That's good. So I'm hoping that it's going to become even better. Well, good for you. You're extremely well-rounded. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. And good luck in your uh, track mage, pole dancing, improv, comic singing endeavors. It sounds kind of uh, crazy, but uh, in in my life, it just all makes sense because there are certain things that are guiding me and that's how I that's how I end up picking all this random stuff. Life's a journey. It's more fun that way. Of course. Uh, and uh, the journey is uh, uncertain. Like we don't know when it's going to end and uh, we just have to try everything that we like. And I tend to like some weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> weird is good. Helps build a good personality. So I really appreciate chatting with you, Irina. Any other lasting thoughts, final words? Sure. If people would like to find me, uh, they can find me. Like the best place to find me is LinkedIn. I just don't like any other social media. Uh, but TrackMage is present on other platforms. And you can reach out to us uh, through TikTok, Facebook, and uh, every other platform that you can find. Amazing. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. And until next time, Irina. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. I'd like to thank Irina Podobnia for joining me on the show and come back next week when I sit down with Ashley Kincaid, the founder and CEO of Private Label Mastery about Amazon FBA selling techniques. For more information about Irina, you can connect with her on LinkedIn. To learn more about TrackMage, you can check out their website, trackmage.com, or on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at TrackMage, as well as their YouTube page at TrackMage Official. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you join us again to find new episodes being published every Tuesday. Until then.